0: into episode number 71 of the healthy scratch interview segment i'm noah grant joined alongside my co-host and nick maxson who's giving me the the stink eye for that intro what what, how'd you feel
1: about that one nick you you thought that one wasn't so smooth i don't know but uh no it's fine uh i thought i heard the door open and it's funny because it's july not halloween just yet so i dude i can't i can't even tell you right now just some things just make you nervous and apparently that did whatever that noise was
0: well so. it, if if you want to know i'm i wear my halloween costume year-round it's pretty scary to everybody oh so, me too. so.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah
0: but uh, <laughs> nonetheless if you're joining us on the youtube and seeing our halloween faces congratulations thanks for joining us if you're listening on the audio version we got a great interview uh coming up here uh, a bit of a more somber one but it was a very very um well said discussion our guest with mick hatton from the rink live i uh, did a fantastic job talking about uh, specifically the bob Motzko and mac mozzo situation and of course i uh, um obviously hit hit us near and dear we had a great discussion uh with bob uh, last summer around this time he was able to jump on the show and uh um kind of one of the um, more funnier moments that maybe we'll kind of touch on after the show ends uh regarding our show about our interactions with bob and a great time that we had as well but uh nick uh kind of a unique interview from what we normally do trying to keep things light and jovial and that's just what it is um what were your impressions uh, uh with mick joining us tonight
1: so uh, first, you know, a little bit of chatter with uh, Jack Pert, um, or at least that's what we think his last name is pronounced right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, his recent draft, uh, hometown Minnesota Wild draft. Uh, obviously, we touch on on Jack and maybe some uh, where we see him as far as uh, the Huskies will have him in the lineup this upcoming season. A lot of what uh, a year he's had, right? As far yeah. as both uh, on and off the ice. Uh, but you know, uh, Noah, we we'll talk obviously in the interview. But you know, there are moments in life that you know, it was whatever it is, the hockey sticks come down, the gloves stay on, and, you know, you just all kind of, you know, you gather around each other and you just, you know, all you can do is is really be there for each other, right? Uh, there, There's no easy way to talk about the tragedy that is of what we have unfortunately heard uh, uh, just about a week ago, right, with uh, Bob's son Mack and his passing. Uh, these are situations where, you know, as a journalist in training, I should say, um, and you as well, Noah, being uh, uh, on the radar yourself and doing some things as well, and us doing this podcast for some time, you know, these are moments where, you know, I, at least I feel, you know, having discussions about it, although it may not be easy, uh, can certainly help those, uh, you know, throughout the process. Um, it helps to share that, you know, I think there's not, there's many people in the same boat, whereas emotionally you're, you know, how's he fit. And it's, I think it's also good to know that, you know, this sort of situation doesn't define who Mac was. Uh, you know, we certainly not going to be remembered for this. He's going to be remembered for the kid who he was both on and off the ice. Uh, and Mick definitely has a lot of great story to tell with him on this. And so it's, it's a, it's a fantastic interview and, you know, as he said very eloquently earlier, Noah, you know, even as, as, as journalists, I mean, we're all at the end, of the day, we're all human beings, right? And I think, you know, when, when these sort of things come around and, you know, they're unfortunate when they do, you know, it, to, to have the discussion about it, to, to talk about it, you know, as just a human being and not a, you know, not a journalist, I think is very uh, therapeutic for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I I will definitely agree. If I can add a quick aside here, I know that in in my high school, the four years that I was in high school, we had four people actually in our small town under the age of 20 that passed away from auto-related accidents during that span. And with situations like this, it never gets any easier, but I think that we can find a little bit of catharsis or a little bit of something, a little bit of healing uh, in terms of being able to listen and discuss and be around each other, like you said. And uh, this is, I don't know if it's one of the best interviews we've ever done, but sitting down and listening to Mick talk about it, especially um, so recently after the tragedy, uh, I think was really important and really in some ways needed for all of us especially I think I speak for you and Mick uh, both when I say that as well because I felt that where um, I feel a little bit more at ease being able to discuss it and we're not going to keep you waiting uh, our fantastic interview with Mick Hatton for episode number 71
1: and welcome back to the pond Huskies Warmer Notes podcast fans it is episode number 71 and joining us this week to talk a lot of Saint Louis Hot Features we have the rank lights Mick Hatton who covered uh this team extensively over the years Mick again thank you uh for joining us and happy to have you back on for a second time Yeah thanks for having me on Uh Mick we we definitely have uh, a lot of pressing topics to get to today. Uh, let's first start with uh, uh, the better news, we'll call it that, uh, with uh, Jack Perks, or is it P. Art? I, I know we talked about this pre-show. There seems <laughs> to be uh, a pronunciation conundrum that we're in. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the incoming freshman, a second-round choicer by the none of the hometown Minnesota Wild. What, uh, uh, not a bad way to have, uh, have your summer uh, start off and, and get ready to come in as a freshman for the Huskies.
2: Yeah. Very exciting news for Jack. Uh, you know, and that was, uh, uh, that, that was a fun conversation, uh, you know, with him. Uh, I was on the zoom call, uh, with him after he, after he got uh, drafted on, on Saturday morning. Uh, you know, there was, there was some back and forth as to whether or not, you know, I, I, if you saw some of the you know mock drafts and I realized these things fluctuate 8 billion different ways and, uh, everything else, but, uh, you know, there, there were some people saying that he was going to go as early as like, uh, you know, late in the first round, uh, uh, on Friday, uh, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, I'm trying to imagine as a player, what that's like going through that, because I was sitting there watching and I kept waiting and waiting to, <laughs> to, to hear his name at 26, 27, you know, and you don't hear it. And so I'm imagining what that's like, and then you got to sit, you know, sleep through a night and then get up in the morning and then kind of start the whole process again. But, uh, yeah, great news for him. Uh, he was super excited uh, that, you know, to be going to the wild for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, the, the cool thing uh, of course is uh, you know, the uh, assistant, I'm trying to remember his exact, uh, his exact spot. Uh, what uh, He's essentially, he helps with player development assistant to the director of player development, I think is the official name for, uh, the job for Matt Hendricks, who's a former St. Cloud State player. Uh, I heard, actually, they kept me on the Zoom a little bit longer than they probably should have, but I actually heard Matt kind of talking with, with Jack a little bit, and and Jack was even more excited when he was talking with him and brought, uh, Brad Bombardier a little bit uh, after the interviews. And um, so, yeah, very cool. Uh, what, what an amazing year the kid had. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I've I tried to document, I guess, as much of it as I as I can, uh, you know, with starting off with with the Fargo Force and then going back to his Grand Rapids team. and He gets named Mr. Hockey, wins the Reed Larson Award. Uh, His stock, you know, when he was with the Fargo Force, just kept going up. Uh, I was shocked to hear because. If you remember back to you know when when the first rankings came out, the NHL Central Scouting comes out with rankings at different points. One is kind of before the season, and one is uh, after the season gets over. When before the season started, uh, he was actually a C-rated, uh, you know, player, which meant he was projected to go between the fourth and the sixth rounds. And then uh, when when he decided to go back to Grand Rapids, I remember talking with Kerry Eads from the Fargo Force and. And Kerry said, uh, he, well, first of all, he said he's the best defenseman that we've had in Fargo. Now, for people who follow Fargo force even a little bit, like the, that includes a guy like Nate Schmidt, right? So, I mean, <laughs> pretty Ooh. high praise. Yeah. <laughs> Kerry's <laughs> just the type of guy that doesn't just throw stuff around like that. Um, and so when, when he said that, that opened my eyes, and I asked him where he thought he was going to – uh, what he was hearing, I guess, in terms of the draft. And he said, he, he's, he's probably, he's probably going to go in the first round and I just about fell over. And and then he said, "What well, we'll see what happens once he goes back to Grand Rapids. Cause sometimes guys go backwards a little bit when they draft projections, just because the competition changes and, and their roles change um, on high school teams versus uh, uh, versus the teams on, on, in juniors. But uh but yeah, but Jack ended up coming back. He played great in the in the playoffs. I uh, helped them uh, get all the way to Clark Cup finals. And uh, he's a very uh, I don't I can't remember if you guys have talked to him yet or not. But he he's a very um, laid back uh, and subdued kind of guy. Uh, if, if you guys have ever interviewed uh, Nick Jensen from the Capitals, another former St. Cloud State great. Uh his demeanor kind of reminds me a little bit of Nick. I mean, he, he's just very calm and, and, and he's very direct. He's, he's very polite, uh, but he's not going to overwhelm you with his personality necessarily right out of the gates, just because um, he's, he's, he's got a real professional kind of air about him, I guess is the way I'd describe him Uh, just in talking with him, whatever it's been, four or five times now. Uh, But uh, great news for him, Uh, great news for the university. I think he – it's in my story, but I think he's the seventh highest uh, player to get uh, drafted by – you know, seventh highest at at St. Cloud State to get drafted. Um, And uh, a lot of people saying a lot of great things about him.
0: Yeah, he's uh, – from what I had discovered, he's only – I think he's – Um, one of only four defensemen to go before the fourth round uh, for the St. Cloud State Huskies as well, too. Uh, Mick, before we transition into our next topic, uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, your, uh, your show is what we would call the more professional show, which... Apparently it's your job. So that's important. I would say, I, um, I kind of wanted to ask throughout the past year, uh, you know, how have you been doing lately? Uh, You've gotten into the podcast game, albeit probably more successfully than we have. And how are, how have things been going uh, otherwise uh, covering some St. Cloud state hockey?
2: Well, it it was an unbelievable year, obviously with, with covering St. Cloud state hockey uh, just, you know, with the unbelievable run, obviously that they went to, uh, you know, in in the NCAA tournament uh, you know, it was, it was an odd year. Like I, I didn't part of, uh, you know, with, with my job with the way it is right now um, I didn't anticipate, you know, I, I don't anticipate like covering as many games as, as I ended up covering this past season uh, just with the NCHC pod uh, you know, i kind of started off where uh, the, you know, the, the company decided to send me down there for, uh, you know, for the whole, three weeks three plus weeks or whatever it was uh that the pod went on so i got to see every every game down there and i saw you know mo- i covered most of the, uh most of the games i guess uh you know d- during the course of the season and i didn't anticipate that i was going to do that so I, I was a little bit more uh hands-on from that standpoint uh it was it was, it was a weird year like i kept you know, I was very worried. Like, if you'd talked to me a year ago, with all the stuff going on with COVID, I would have been really concerned about my job, <laughs> just because I'm like, well, nobody knows anything, and and you know, there were all kinds of um, media people, you know, losing their jobs, and so I'm I'm very grateful, I guess, that to this point, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, I'm still em- employed, and uh, and I, it, it's been a it's been a, a really good year. I mean, to see. To, to be at a, a Frozen Four and, and see three uh, Minnesota schools there and not and the Gophers weren't one of them was you know, was a bit shocking you know uh, and and it was a cool thing uh, and uh, I've I've known Mike Hastings for uh, probably around twenty years and I I have nothing but the utmost respect for Mike and uh, he's had success everywhere he's gone and so we've all seen. You know, well, you guys are, may or may not remember, but I mean, I remember when St. Cloud State had gone 0 and finally won that first uh, NCAA tournament game. Uh, so to see Mike kind of go through that almost the same duration of, of, of any uh, NCAA tournament drought and then make it all the way to the, to the Frozen Four, that was exciting to see. And, what an amazing semifinals game. I I guess that's uh, the other thing, I guess that it's going to stick out in my mind forever, I guess, is that, that game was, that's about as good an NCAA tournament game as you're going to see from my standpoint, uh, back and forth. And you think, Oh my gosh, they're out of this and they come back and, uh, an amazing tip to, to win that game. Uh, so a lot of good things, uh, you know, and, and like you said, I'm doing a, huskies podcast and then uh, jess and i are doing a a podcast that's a little bit broader based than than uh, just saint cloud state and um so we've got a lot of irons in the fire which is good the more irons the more chance i I have of keeping my job so that's the way i look at it Noah.
0: (laughs) it's better than us shelling out shelling out uh, money to do the same thing
1: so Yeah. And then uh, one final quick note on, on Jack here, uh, Mick, as we look at the Huskies roster anywhere in the 2021-22 season, uh, a lot of returning faces. Uh, again, a Mr. Hockey, I'd imagine he gets a crack maybe at the, uh, at, certainly at the bottom pairing, but maybe even a top four spot. Uh, but this Huskies team, you know, when, when, you, when you try to repeat the success you had a year ago, now, as Pat McElhetti said, you know, getting up the mountain is one thing, but staying on the mountain is even tougher, um, obviously with a player as skilled and as composed as Jack. And I, I got to watch him uh, play the 2019 uh, All-Star Prospects game out there in St. Paul. I was calling that with Gino, And just remember how composed and how smooth of a stater he was, great decision-maker with the puck. Um, he's a guy that fits Brent Larson's system very well. Uh, but I guess, you know, could you see him potentially cracking a full-time starting role with this squad, even though it's a pretty crowded blue line there uh, for Brent Larson and his squad?
2: Well, I don't think you bring Let's put it this way. I don't think you bring in a kid at 18 years old and a kid that's been a second round draft pick and, and have them sit or have them be playing, you know, bottom three, you, you know, in the lineup. Uh, I, I, know that they're, they're not going to publicly say that, but I'm just telling you from, from watch having watched this over the years, you don't bring in a kid at that age with, with that kind of, uh, you know, NHL pedigree and, and sit in. Um, I, I think he's going to, you know, I think they'll keep Nick Perbix and Seamus Donahue together just because that was such a great uh, defensive pairing last season. But then I think it'll be interesting to see, I think he'll be in that second defensive pairing uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, what what they decide to run for a power play uh, because Jack's obviously a guy that, uh, you know, could, you know, could run an umbrella, uh, you know, power play very easily. Uh, and Nick Perbix is the type of guy who could also, you know, can do that too. Those those two guys are very good puck handlers, so it'll be interesting to see if because last season, if you remember, they kind of went, they kind of went all, they went kind of old and traditional where they had two defensemen back there. Uh, do they go to one and then, you know, try to, you know, have four other? Uh, you know, forwards, uh, you know, and, and run an umbrella. That's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm I'm very curious to see that that side of it. But I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, and from everything, I he, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. This is this is a funny thing. Whenever I talk about about Jack with Brett, uh, Brett Brett always when I ask him, "Well, what do you think of him?" And you know, or, or what is it you like about him? And and he goes. Well, he goes, he's, he's kind of a, a mix of the best of Jack and Sean and Jimmy Schultz. And then he always tries to backtrack on me. And I'm like, he <laughs> did that again the other day. And I said, but Brett, you've already told me that before. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, I guess I did. And he goes, and that's actually a real compliment to Jack and, and Jimmy. And I said, yeah, it is, you know, cause neither of those guys were drafted uh, and but at the same time, you're comparing him to two guys who are all Americans here. Uh, so I, I think that tells you what you need to know, I guess, about uh, what his talent level is. Now, we've all seen guys that come in with all kinds of hype and all kinds of talent uh, and doesn't work out for whatever reason. I, I don't get the impression that that's going to happen here. But, you know, that's, gonna, that's the fun part, I guess, about all, all sports is actually seeing where everybody lands uh, when, when they get to the spot that they're supposed to be.
1: And then, Mick, uh, I think now is the time where we transition. Uh, the hockey community uh, is, is quite the close-knit hockey community. You had mentioned uh, the goal for Zero earlier, uh, no question that. You know, down I-94, it's usually a heated rivalry. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, you know, a name that you love to hate kind of thing. Uh, within this last week, unfortunately, you know, this is where the hockey community uh you know can sort of put our our fan differences aside as you call it and and and, and show uh, you could say the sports world this how close and how tight this community is uh and it, this one hits close to home uh for those who haven't heard yet uh, the passing of uh of bob Mopsko's uh, oldest son mac um uh, was reported just uh this past sunday uh sunday morning uh, it shocked all of us. Uh, I know here with w- the Huskies, when Packets, as we were just, uh, finished recording our Sunday episode when we were informed of the news, uh, you know, had to, uh, do a couple of, uh, of checking. You could call it to see if this indeed was a true story. We ended up having the story confirmed and just an unbelievably tragic event. And, uh, so we are going to spend some time to talk about this since, uh, Not only does this deal with the former head coach, St. Cloud State Bob, but uh, from what we from what we know, Mac was a a large part uh, of his presence also uh, in the St. Cloud community. Uh, Mick, let's, uh, I guess, start this chronologically as we uh, I think as we should. uh, When did you hear about the news? And uh, I guess let's start from there.
2: Yeah, but it was about nine twenty, nine thirty. I, I was up north. Uh, I, I have some friends. A friend of mine owns a cabin up up in northern Minnesota, and I I was up there, and I had my computer with me because of the draft getting moved. You know, normally it's a month earlier, so I actually had my computer with me. And uh, but I got a text message uh, from uh, from somebody, and uh, somebody that I, I I knew was not. Well, they, they were trust, a trustworthy source. We'll just say that, uh, you know, somebody from uh, St. Cloud State that, uh, you know, that Mac had, had died in a car accident. And um, I I have to tell you, I got to be honest with you, you know, for, for, I don't know, three, four hours, I was just in, uh, I was just in total shock. Um, I, I've interviewed uh, Mac, uh, I, you know, we were talking off air or whatever. I think I've interviewed Mac you know, three, three, maybe four times. Uh, But I've seen Mac around, uh, you know, the National Hockey Center since he was 10. Um, And uh, it, uh, you know, as I was, I I was driving home and and then all, then all of it kind of started to hit me a a lot harder. um, Because uh, you get to know uh, coaches, uh, you know, when, when you deal with with people day, you know, I wouldn't say daily, but you know, on, on a very regular basis, uh, you know, during the hockey season, I was dealing with Bob for, you know, three, four days a, a week, uh, easily. And I, and we did that for eight seasons together. Um, so I I've, I've gotten to know Bob, uh, over the years and, uh, uh, whenever Bob, uh, You know, what came to mind, I guess, was in particular uh, was there was there was a time and I I think it was like in in the spring and I I needed to come down and talk to him for something. And Mac was probably uh, 13 or 14 years old. And as I was walking into the uh, into the hockey center, I saw he was out there skating, uh, which happened, you know. Uh you know, he he liked to go out, he liked to go out and skate and work on his own uh at the hockey center. And he was working on some things, and I remember Bob uh coming in to the coach's office. And Bob, when Bob gets excited about something, uh Bob gets kind of a uh this sly grin on his face and and uh there's a lot of light to him in, in the, in these kind of instances. And, and Bob's Bob looked at me and goes, Mick, he goes, I think we got something here. I I wasn't sure, you know, if he was talking about a recruit or, you know, or what exactly he was talking about. And and I think I said to him, well, what do you mean? You got somebody new coming in? He goes, no, he goes, goes, Mac, he's, 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 uh, he's really starting to come along, you know, and, and I, I, I think he's, he's got a shot, you know, is what he said to me. And, uh, he, it's hard to, it's hard to describe because, you know, Bob can be a pretty, Bob's got a good sense of humor, but Bob can be a pretty serious guy. Most is a pretty serious guy. Most of the time. And, uh, but when he talked about Mac in this, and in in that was not the exception, that was more kind of the rule. When he talked about Mac, Bob lit up, uh, all the time. Uh, that that's not to say that he, he didn't, uh, he, that he doesn't love Ella and Bo. Uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm just telling you because we're talking about Mac and his passing that when, when he talked about Mac, um, there was, there was a special bond between those two. Uh, uh, you know, when, uh, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Brian domain was, was, was saying that, uh, Uh, who's the athletic trainer for the Huskies. If, for people who don't know, uh, when I was talking with him, uh, he said that, you know, he had Bob's love of hockey, um, you know, and think about that. I mean, if you've met Bob, if you've talked to Bob, uh, you know how passionate he is about the game and Mac was that passionate about it. Um, You know, the, you know, hopefully, you know, people have read the the story or whatever uh, uh, on, on our website that I that I did of you know people remembering him. But he uh, he just he loved being around that team all the time. Uh, he just yeah. So I mean, you know, you know, just listening to you know Jeremiah tell those stories of, of you know him being the box monster and chasing him down to the athletic training room. Uh, you know. Beninowski uh, pushing him around in a laundry cart, Uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, they, they would, you know, get a tape ball together and they, he would play, you know, tape hockey with with the, with (laughs) the St. Cloud state players in the locker room. Um, You know, he, he was, he was around a lot, um, but like Brian and, Uh, Brian domain and Jeremiah Minkle said he, he was around all the time, but, but he was like, just a guy that uh, you didn't, he was never in the way. Right. And, and for kids at that age uh, to not be in the way, and this is nothing against my kids or anybody else's kids, but, but that's just not, that's just not the general nature of, of, but he, he had a way about him. That was, that was special that way. And, uh, uh, yeah, there were some very tough interviews, uh, you know, for that story. And I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I got through, you know, a few of them without, uh, you know, shedding some tears because it hits you in a lot of different ways when something this awful happens to somebody who I've never heard, a, I've never heard a bad word about the kid. I just never have. And, and being in the business that I'm in you know, and think about this. All right, your dad is the Division One uh, hockey coach in town. People are always looking for reasons to to pick you apart. They just are, right? You got a target on you because your dad is one of the big dogs in town and everything else. I've never heard somebody say a bad thing about about Mac. So it's just it just says so much about the character of the kid, you know, and uh, and about who he was. Uh, and, you know, I, I've heard people say, you know, he was, you know, he had an old soul, you know, like he liked talking to, he liked talking to adults, even at a young age. And he he liked talk, he liked sitting around and Eric Roots said that he liked sitting around and listening to Bob and Eric and uh, Mike Gibbons sit, sit there and, you know, tell, tell hockey stories. He loved, he loved just being around all that stuff. And um, so it's a it's a tough blow. And and on top of that, I mean, uh, you know, I, just having written about him in his high school years, uh, what people at Cathedral say about him uh, it's even it's even higher praise. I mean, they thought the world of Mac.
0: Yeah, the the follow up question I kind of had to that, Mick. uh, You know, you talk about interviews and what people say, you know, have said about Mac. Uh, The one perspective that I kind of wanted to get is uh, you've had a couple of times personally, I believe, that you've gotten a chance to deal with him and actually interview him for hockey, among other things. Uh, What were your impressions like of him and kind of the little that you got to get to know him uh, in your job? Uh,
2: He was, he may have been the most. Uh, mature eighteen-year-old kid I've I've ever interviewed. Uh, he, there was just a he had a real professionalism. I guess is is the best way I guess I could describe how he kind of went about his things. Um, he the cool thing was the last time I interviewed him, which was in two thousand twenty before the state tournament. Um, he. I got him to to open up a little bit about some different things, and I think he he finally gotten a little bit more comfortable with just talking with me and, and everything else. Um, and I got him to um, to tell the the, the story about uh, when when his dad took the job and and how mad he was that his dad was going to the Gophers because he loved he loved Saint Cloud State. It, uh, yeah and it's hard to it's hard to really hammer that home more uh than yeah I don't know how you can hammer that home more that the kid just loved St. Cloud State and he loved the Huskies I mean that was where he I mean that was that was where he grew up that that's all he knew right was red and black and so for his dad to take the, the job at Minnesota was just something that was almost uh beyond him and um uh, so yeah, w- but when I interviewed him, uh, he was he he had a good sense of humor uh, you know when when you could get him to you know kind of let his barrier down a little bit um, and you could tell he was extremely knowledgeable about the game. Um, that there was just no way around that. I mean, that came across. Uh, in red letters. Uh, you know, I, I think in the story I wrote, Robbie Stocker, who's the new cathedral coach, he, uh, he said when I, when he, you know, dealt with him as, as a 14-year-old, that it was like coaching an adult, you know. Uh, Matt Chapman, who uh, is the ticket manager now for, for St. Cloud State, he had, he worked at some hockey camps with them, and he talked about when he was a squirt you know, all the other kids are kind of off running around and, and he's trying to corral them to get them to do the drill right. And there's Max standing in the exact same spot he's supposed to be in every time doing the drill exactly the way he's supposed to. Um, so that's kind of like what what he was maybe like a little bit around the rink. And um, the, I don't know, the respect that, that coaches had for him, uh, it, it's just, I, I've, I've never heard coaches talk about a high school kid like that. I mean, the closest I, I think I've heard somebody talk like, like this, like they did about Mac was about Jimmy Schultz. I remember when Jimmy was getting ready to uh, come to St. Cloud state, I talked to the Minnetonka high school coach at the time. And he said, Jimmy's going to wear a letter <laughs> at St. Cloud state before he's done. You know, he, that, that kind of just, stood me up. And of course he ended up being a captain for three years. Um, so, uh, but that's kind of the, cl- the, the class of, of person, you know, again, if, if people have met Jimmy Schult, maybe that's a, a good, good kind of gauge of like the type of person that if you didn't meet Mac, Mac gave kind of that same aura about him. And, um, uh, so he was, he was something. And I, I was, at Hockey Zone yesterday, my son's, I think my son's skate sharp, and I was talking with one of the guys that worked there, and he goes, he goes, you didn't have to talk to Mac very long to know what he was about, you know, and the type of person he was. You, you just didn't have to be around him that long. It was, that's how, evident, you know, that, that's, he, he just projected that. I don't know, how, it's hard to really pinpoint it, but you 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 would know it if you saw it, mm-hmm. let's just say that.
1: No question that I think, you know, St. Cloud may have been uh, possibly in his future, maybe on the ice, maybe not. Uh, I know that there were plans for him to, uh, I think, paint tiction, if I, if I recall correctly, was in the fall plans for him up in the, the British Columbia Hockey League. Um, uh, but, uh, Mick, it, it's time to talk a little bit about some of the details of what happened, right? So whether it's an accident or whatnot, these things are always tough, right? But I think the circumstances surrounding the situation or why I think this pill's a little bit tougher to swallow. Um, for those who uh, who don't know, just a quick uh, summary that'll let you fill in the gaps. Uh, it sounds like uh, so, 51-year-old James Blue uh, was the driver. Again, he's a resident of Orono. Uh, from what we know, is that uh, there was an invitation of a party at his place after uh, they were uh, at Maynard's earlier in the evening, and before uh, some folks maybe were headed out, uh, he offered to take uh, a folks ride in what was supposed to be a quick uh, ride in a new vehicle. Um, from what we know about the action report, or at least the initial uh, disclosures, where that speed and, and possibly alcohol were involved in this collision, it wasn't very far away um, that led to the ex- incident. Now, Mick, I'll have you uh, kind of take it from there, but that, I guess, kind of briefly summarize it, but still a lot of details there that uh, I'll have you uh, sort of expand on.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've, I talked to a lot of people, you know, even on, on that Sunday, I know a guy that, you know, a guy used to work with covered, covered cops and stuff uh, a lot. And he started digging up some details, you know, piecing some things together, you know, just from different tweets and and different things that he saw online. And, um, you know, he pretty early on, he said, let's just say this, he goes, that's not a road that you should be, doing, uh, you know, be driving that fast on, uh, you know, the, the, the speed limit, I think where uh, the accident happened was 40 miles an hour from what uh, I've been told. Um, and he, by some accounts that we, you know, that, that we've heard, uh, you know, they said that sp- the cops definitely said that speed was involved with it. Okay, they said speed and, and alcohol were likely involved. Uh, with the accident Um, have heard things that it was, you know, may have been 90, hundred miles an hour. Um, And, you know, the, the road kind of curves, you know, where it, the car went off the road and then they hit multiple trees, Um, uh, you know, and unfortunately Mac and, and uh, Joe Schooneman were, were both wearing their, their seatbelts. But when you, when you stop that abruptly uh, at that speed, uh, unfortunately, you know the the internal stuff uh, that that goes on there. Uh, you know, from the that sort of impact at that at that speed is is just horrific. Um, now, James Blue got thrown from the car, um, and uh, unfortunately, Joe Joe died at the scene. Uh, Mac was. I've heard different reports as to how he got to the, how he got to uh, uh, the hospital, uh, but he was, he was taken to the hospital and uh, eventually died at the hospital. Uh, his, uh, you know, Bob Bob and, and his wife, Shelly, uh, and their son, Bo, were up in, uh, up at Gull Lake, and uh, I've heard that Bob and Uh, Shelley flew back down to the, flew to the twin cities, uh, that Bo got picked up, uh, you know, taken down to the twin cities and, um, they were able to see him in the, in the hospital before he died. Um, but just, uh, it, uh, yeah, you, the more, the the more details you hear and, and, you know, about the whole situation, the more, um, the more troubling it is just because it, it it was so avoidable. Um, I I guess that's, that's the best way I can put it. I mean, it's just so troubling because it it just didn't need to happen. Uh, and I don't, we don't know, I guess if they, uh, necessarily knew, I don't know if, you know, I don't think Mac knew these guys, you know, knew him or whatever before this evening. Um, so it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just horrible. And then you, you think of, um, uh, you know, you think of just his whole family and, and finding something like that out. Uh, it's and, and for people who, who knew him way better than I did, um, it, it's, it's just crushing. It really is. I mean, uh, you know, Emmett Keenan, the activities director at, at uh, at cathedral, uh, you know, he, he used the term devastating. He says he's just devastated by it. Mike Gibbons, when I was texting him back, he goes devastated is, is how he goes. I I describe myself is what he said. And 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 those guys knew him way better than I did. And um, it's it's just awful. And, and there's just no there's no good way to put that.
0: Mike Gibbons had a, uh, a really nice, touching um, tribute as well that we saw today on Twitter. And uh, um, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, I would definitely do that. Uh, Mick, I kind of wanted to ask the perspective too. Um, you know, you, we talk about, you know, nobody really knows how to react in this situation until you live through it. Um, but one thing that I know, Mick, you do know is being a parent, right? And uh, the process that goes through that. Uh, you know, are you able to even put into words, I mean, if you're Bob Motsko and his family, you know, ha- how to react to this and kind of, kind of, where do you go from here as a parent, just knowing uh, your perspective, having children of your own?
2: Yeah. I, 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 and that's the other thing, I guess that, you know, when you were asking me about, you know, when I found, found out what, what, what my reactions were. And, and one of them is you try to put yourself, you know, I think human nature is that, right? I mean, you try to put yourself in into you know you know the extremes. When you see something really extreme, like you know somebody wins the lottery or something like that, you try to put yourself in the in that person's shoes. What what the heck would that feel like? Because so few people you know go through something like that. Now, here, of course, is the absolute opposite end of that, the the absolute worst uh, possible uh, thing that you can think of. Um, uh yeah, I mean it's hard to even imagine because like, you know, with with my kids, you know, I mean one of the things that you know you you worry I worry about, you know, even like you know, going out and playing hockey, right? You know, worry you worry about your kid getting hurt, right? And and my 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 sons haven't haven't had any Oh, my gosh. Uh, haven't had any substantial injuries, uh, you know, in the game. But I remember one time I was coaching my oldest son, and and he got hit. Uh, this was two years ago. He got hit, and he went down. Uh, I thought it, I was coaching, and uh, I, I didn't think uh, it was a real clean play. And my son is down on the ice, and he's kind of rolling around. And um, I just – I just remember going out to the ice and just, just have that fear that something was really wrong. Cause my, my son usually just pops right back up and he's usually back, back, you know, to the bench. you know, if he's a little bit banged up or whatever, he'll come back to the bench as quick as he can. And uh, he doesn't usually like just lay there. So I knew something was a little bit more significant. And so I, Thankfully, I mean, he had the wind knocked out of him, you know, and that's a startling thing for whatever he was—ten years old at the time. Um, that's all it was, right? So you think of just what runs through your mind in this, in that quick of a really benign situation, and then you put yourself into what they're going through right now. Um, I, I, I just can't. I can't wrap my head around it and I'm sure that that's what's going on with them. Um, I'm sure that Bob, uh, and Shelly are, are just uh, beside themselves trying to make sense out of it all. And, you know, and I, I think you, you always want to protect your kids. And, and so I'm sure, I, I don't know, you know, you, you, you would think, you know, maybe you'd, you'd, you'd second guess yourself, maybe some, you know, you know, maybe back should have, you know, been up with us, at, at, you know, or whatever, or, or I, maybe I should have been with him that night. You know what I mean? I mean, those would be the type of things I think that would run through my head. I, I'm not saying that that's going through Bob's head, but if I was a parent that that would probably be going through my head and that's tough. I I mean, that's just, it's so hard to, it's so hard to describe. I guess how. how listen, you can take <laughs> take off one of my limbs, but you know, let my kid be okay, right? I mean, that's just how you feel. I mean, if something awful has to happen, let it happen to me and not my, not my kids. And so that, that's, that's what I'm imagining is going on. Um, and that's, that's just so. Very difficult. I know with, I remember when I was, <laughs> I remember I was talking with, with Eric Rude, you know, and, and Brian DeMaine and, and Jeremiah Minkle and I were, were talking about uh, Mac just riding in the front of the bus, uh, you know, to, Mac would go on a couple of uh, road trips with, with the Huskies. And, uh, <laughs> and so we were talking about that. I brought that up to Eric and, and Eric started to react to that and Eric just lost it. Now, Eric uh, worked for Bob for, I think it was five seasons uh, and, and then he came back uh, to St. Cloud State. So the, those two families with the ages of their kids are all, are very closely aligned. So th- those two families are extremely tight. and And the way Eric reacted, Um, you know, when you're that close to somebody, um, it's like, it's almost like one of your kids has, has died. And that's how it felt when, when I was talking with Eric. And so there are a lot of people really, uh, hurting about this. And, and like I told you guys before, I mean, I'm hurting and I, I didn't know him that well, uh, but I knew him enough to know that this is an awful awful loss. And uh, I, uh, and uh, I've tried to, you know,
0: and
2: and what do you, you know, here's a tough thing too. I mean, you know, what, how, what, what the heck do you say to a a, a parent who's going through something like that? I mean, what are the words for that? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that um, that's my job is to put, try to put things into words. And I, I've really struggled to figure out what in the heck I would say to Bob right now, other than I'm sorry, you know, and I feel so bad for you. Uh,
1: Mick, you know, again, just a tragic story all around, but, uh, I know that we had asked you previous to the show, if, if you had indeed talked to Bob, um, or anybody else within the coaching staff, but it sounds like you've reached out. Um, and also, you know, obviously side note, you know, you, you got to feel for, you know, Bob's being too. This is unbelievably tragic. Uh, something I don't think any, obviously, uh, as any parent wants to ever go through, you know, there, there's such a ripple effect to something like this as well. Um, uh, can you inform the viewers, uh, if you indeed have had conversations with, uh, with Bob or uh, I guess, you know, and I know that since you've known him, you, you've told us before the show that, you know, you, this is definitely something where, you know, this is a type of moment in someone's life with this type of tragedy that, you know, this could change somebody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, cause uh, again, you guys are asking me about putting yourself in, into his position. Well, how, how do you move on from this? You know I mean? And how, how are you gonna, what is your coping mechanism for something this horrible uh, happening in your life? I don't, you know, obviously we don't know how Bob is gonna cope with this. Um, I, you know, in a direct message uh, on Twitter, I, I sent him a note, I I don't know if he's seen it. I I, I And I'm sure he's just been inundated with, with notes from people, but I wanted to at least express a couple of things to him there. Um, I have had contact, as I was mentioning with, with Mike Gibbons and, um, I reached out to, to Garrett Rapoyne, uh, you know, Garrett obviously was an assistant coach up here and now he's an assistant with, with Bob down at at Minnesota. And I just reached out to Garrett and I just told him, I said, listen, I didn't, I'm hurting. And And I said, and I didn't know him as well as you, you do, um, and so I can't even imagine what you're going through. I said, I just want you to know that I've been thinking about all you guys, and uh, and just uh, you know, just my heart goes out to you guys. And and he kind of, he came back to me, and and the other thing I wanted to make sure was that when when I wrote the story I wrote about Mac, the big thing is is that you want to make sure you get something like that right, you know. Um, and so I wanted to, when I reached out to Mike Gibbons and when I reached out to Garrett, you know, I wanted them to see the story because if there was something that was rubbing them wrong, um, or that they thought I was missing or something like that, I wanted to hear from them. Um, and that's, that's not a typical way I go about my journalism, but in, in an instance like this, um, it was important to me. Um, just because Mac meant so much to so many different people. And, um, so Rab said, no, you, he goes, you did a, uh, you did a great service to, uh, to him and the family's going to appreciate what you did. And, um, so that coming from Garrett, um, that, that just meant the world to me. Um, you know that that he thought I got it right and uh and Gibby kind of said the same thing to me and uh so I haven't you know uh, you know Garrett you know kind of said that you know obviously I mean it's 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 been very tough on Bob and um and Mike Gibbons has has heard from finally actually when Gibby and I were texting he had he heard back from Bob and um you know and you know, Bob's, Bob's definitely hurting deeply. Um, you know, that was apparent by what he shared with what was in that text. And, um, so you just, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the coolest, uh, moments was I, I went over to St. Cloud state. I had talked with Emmett Keenan and I went down to St. Cloud state to talk to Brian Domain and, and, Jeremiah Minkle. And, um, and when Brian saw me, I just kind of put my notepad down and and I didn't even know where to start with them, uh, to talk with them. And Brian Domain just <laughs> walked up to me, put his arm around me and gave me a hug, you know? And that's kind of what you gotta do, I guess, to you know try to pull yourself through all this stuff. Um, you know, and that goes for everybody. And, um, you know, when you hug, you know, you hear that a lot, but boy, it really hammers home with something like this. You, know, you go and you hug your kid and you tell them that you love them and, um, and, and you don't take any of it for granted.
1: Mick, this story continues to evolve, right? Um, you know, and, and the worst part about the evolution of the story, which sounds like will continue for probably quite some time, um, is that no matter what the answers you might get, um, doesn't change some of the things that you know have happened. Um, for those uh, who are watching this podcast, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. At the time of recording here, this is Wednesday, July 28th. Uh, just recently, uh, James Liu was released from the hospital. He apparently turned himself in on his own accord. And then as of uh, 6 o'clock this evening, uh, Hennepin County posting that the Orono police had charged him initially with uh, criminal vehicular homicide. So, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, these sorts of things and, you know, you, you mentioned before, Mick, uh, the avoidance of what this could have been, right? Um, we're certainly going to be wanting to hear some of the answers that this guy will probably have to hear and obviously what uh, the authorities have, have gotten. But uh, uh, I guess for, for Huskies fans, for for golfers fans too, for, for their coach, uh, I, I guess... You know, for Bob, you know, I think the big question is and, and we talked a little bit about this pre-show, but uh, for someone like Bob, you know, does he double down in coach or is this, I mean, hard to say, but, you know, this could certainly be a life moment where maybe you reevaluate and, uh, you know, I suppose that, as you had mentioned, this is going to be a time for Bob Musco to really kind of think of where he's headed next. Is that not correct?
2: Well, you know, I mean, again, I, I try to put myself in this situation, and and how do you uh, how do you take that next step? You know, it, it, you know, one way I guess, you know, with any bad thing that kind of goes on with you is like just finding some sort of outlet to pour all kinds of energy and and focus into to you know to keep. Keep whatever it is that, that that's bothering you, you know, at least more at bay for a better part of the day. Um, you know, so, you know, Bob is somebody that is a tireless worker. Um, that's something I've never, I've always thought that about Bob. I've always thought that Bob was working about six and a half days a week. Um, so I, I'm not sure if he has many, many more hours in the day that he could, uh, you know, dedicate to hockey. But you know, it, you know, me, you know d- does he do that? Does he uh, does he take a a, a leave of absence? Um, you know, uh, you know, depending on where we all, t- any tragedy, any uh, really awful thing that happens in anybody's life. It takes you a certain amount of time to get to where you're coping with it, uh, you know. So where you can handle things on a on a day-to-day basis, as you know, I mean, with with being a Division One coach, it it's a it's a every hour that you know, oh, <laughs> well, it, it's like a. 20 hour a day job right even in in the off season cuz they're worried about recruiting and they're worried about guys working out and checking in with them checking in with recruits checking in with their own the, the players that are coming back they you know so it, it's constantly they're constantly going i think actually and this is going to sound weird but like nhl coaches probably have it easier than college coaches do because like they get to the end of the season and they just well, you know, management's going to do. What management's going to do, right? And then I come back and I go to the fall camp and I see what we're going to what we're going to deal with. That's not the case with with college coaches. And um, so I, I I don't know how he's going to handle it. Um, you know, and and I don't know how long his grief, grieving process is going to take. You know, um, you know, you just wish for him that he finds the healthiest and, and best ways and same goes for everybody in his family, right? You know, that they find the best ways that they can and, and if they need professional help to, to get through a, a situation like this, which is totally understandable. I think one of the great things, I guess, that's happened here in recent years is we're, we're starting to uh, get to a point where, you know, mental health things are, people are starting to view it a lot more like mental health is is just a health issue is what it is and and so you you hope that if if anybody in that family needs you know the help that to get through it that they that they are able to to get that help and or you know and that that are able to get back to you know being close to you know the people that that we all know them you know to be or whatever um Bob's a terrific hockey coach. There's he, it's well documented. He's won everywhere. He's gone. Um, he's won gold medals for, you know, on the national team. Um, he's, he's been a great ambassador for the game. I think, um, I think he's done a great, did a great job here. Did, has, has done a great job of turning things back around down at the U. Um, so I, You know, you hope that he gets to do what he's passionate about, um, you know, which is which is coaching. And he still got some time left in him, uh, you know, to coach before, you know, he retires. Now, it's hard for me to imagine Bob retiring um, (laughs) because (laughs) Bob is uh, so so passionate about hockey. Um, But, uh, you know, I I just I just wish him and, and his family all the best here trying to get through all this.
0: As do we as well. My final question on the subject here, Mick, um, obviously this this is one of those events that when you think about the game of hockey, hockey takes a severe, you know, backseat in all of this. Um, but but at the same time, the hockey community is also a part of this as well. And I think that uh, everybody who knows Bob's situation, leaving the university you know, St. Cloud State University and going to the University of Minnesota, I think the matchup that we had looking forward to a lot of exciting things this season was that matchup October 15th and 16th that home and home uh, between St. Cloud and the Gophers. Uh, if Bob does decide to return to coaching and even if he doesn't, uh, you know whenever he is back at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center in St. Cloud, uh, how much do you think it means, uh, you know, that game has now taken a different dynamic and a different perspective on Bob Motzko and what he means to the people of St. Cloud and this university, uh, you know, what do you expect uh, and hope from St. Cloud and Gophers fans should they be in attendance if Bob is uh, behind the bench that weekend?
2: You know, I mean, and, and listen, I and I understand, you know, fans are passionate, right? And, and there's always the you know, the the work, you know, the feeling of, you know, St. Cloud State always has had that, right? Where we're kind of the, we always, when I was at school there or whatever, we always felt like, well, you know, everybody looked at us as the second tier of whatever. Um, And so, uh, you know, so when Bob left and went to the University of Minnesota, that of course, you know, plays into (laughs) some some of how, how, how people view the, the university and and conversely the people who are here and who have been passionate St. Cloud State fans, uh, you know, they felt a bit scorned, uh, you know, by it. And so I, and I understand all those feelings, right. Uh, It's not like I've never been a sports fan, you know, I mean, uh, I'm still doing this because I I enjoy sports. So I I understand where people are coming from with that, but uh, you know, given you know, what, what's happened. Um, you know, you, I don't know, you know, when you're talking to me right now, you know, at the end of July, um, what, what, what do I, what would I hope to see happen if, if Bob is here? Um, you know, I would hope, you know, people would, would show support, you know? Um, yeah, maybe, you know, And now for the, you know, when Chuck Glaston introduces now for the University of Minnesota, whatever, okay, boo all the players or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, maybe in in this instance, not only because of what this awful tragedy has been, but also because of what Bob did when he was here. Um, And and Bob turned St. Cloud State back around and and took him to that first Frozen Four, Won that won the first, you know, WCHA regular season title when he was here. Won the first NCHC championship when he was here, you know. Um, For all that, you know, for what he did. And when people talk about the culture at St. Cloud State, you know, you have to give Bob credit for a lot of that. Because that started with Bob, you know. I mean, all that stuff that people talk about with the locker room and the way those, those guys feel about each other, that starts at the top. Right. And so I think there, I'd like to see, I guess, you know, see him get appreciated for that. You know, even if it's just, okay, you can boom the rest, you know, he's yelling at the ref or whatever, you know, about, about some call, you know, you can boo him or, or, or whatever at that point or whatever, but maybe for that first time that he gets introduced, you know, uh, and, and with what all he's gone through uh, i, I I'm, I'm really hoping he, he hears something positive uh, just because uh, he's he's done a lot for a lot of people
1: no question about it it wouldn't surprise me um, that if, if both universities paid some type of respect either with a, a jersey patch or a helmet sticker uh, no question that uh, and we saw this on social media too, Mick, that uh, Western Michigan, North Dakota, UMD, you know, all expressing the same thing, you know, as the hockey, you know, we may be full on the ice made off for all one big community. And uh, it was very, very powerful for me to see the support that very quickly um, transpired um, for Bob and his family throughout this, this spot. Uh, Mick, as always, uh, we'll leave it at that. I, we do appreciate your time. Um, obviously, as uh, this story continues to evolve, we we we, we are confident that we'll uh, you'll be on top of it. Again, uh, for those of you, again, this Mick Hatton with the Red regular- Please check them out. A lot of great work uh, that happens on that website. A lot of in-depth analysis, a lot of in-depth interviews. Uh, it's well worth a read and a listen for those of you who uh, are unfamiliar with their work. They do a fantastic job, and uh, no question that uh, you know we'll, we'll be continuing to with the talk and the text as we things unfold. But uh, for now, Mick, again, we appreciate your insight. Uh, wish it was under better circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, again, uh, we will we'll be chatting in the future. And again, thanks for your time.
2: Well, thanks for having me on, Nick and Noah. And, and, you know, and actually thanks for the, you know, the forum to, you know, kind of talk, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not sure who will hear it or who won't hear it or, or whatever, but, to, you know, to be able to express, uh, you know, just what, what it's been like, I guess as somebody who's been around the, that family and, and been around Mac a little bit, you know, uh, to be able to express that a little bit, uh, you know, it helps, uh, you know, one, one of the things my boss has my boss told me it was one of the things you can do in journalism is to is to help people with, with the grieving process, getting letting them express themselves or whatever. It helps you get through it. And so I, I appreciate you guys giving me the the, the, the time here on here. I, I really do.
0: Well, Mick, when you talk about uh, uh, how many people are going to listen, if you give us that the rink live contract, we'll get a lot of people to listen, I think, really quickly. <laughs> so uh, um, but but I just wanted to reach out, obviously, before we we, we say sorry to you, um, you know, thank you for doing what you do. And I know that, you know, that might sound kind of odd, but there is a piece of journalism and obviously in situations like this where you are the guy that has to kind of wade through things that a lot of people don't want to or don't you know want to engage in so thank you for your coverage and obviously we're going to stay tuned on that as well and uh, we wish you the best as well going through the process as we all are so uh, um, yeah, excited to have you on and uh, hey don't don't make your podcast look so good because you're making us look bad Mick
2: <laughs> well thanks for all the kind words I, I, I greatly appreciate it and uh, yeah thanks so much again for having me on guys I it's nice talking with you guys anytime you guys want
1: Thanks, Mick. I do appreciate it. We'll be in touch.
0: All Thanks, Mick. And Nick, uh, yeah, like we mentioned, a unique interview, but a really good one. Always fun to catch up with Mick. Uh, Just, you know, really great to us and stuff. Not a guy that we really, I guess, interact with a whole lot, but when we do, I mean, uh, just one of those guys that, you know, haven't really had anything bad to say about Mick he's just been very professional very awesome to us very fun to talk to and uh always interesting if you get a chance to ever watch Mick Hatton do a post-game interview and his uh his scribble speak if you will on his notepad when he uh, flips his notepad it's kind of an interesting little process to watch it does a fantastic job uh Nick before I, I get your thoughts on that I also kind of wanted to touch on as I had mentioned briefly uh our experience with Bob Motzko kind of a funny little um uh, if you will uh for those who know Bob you know kind of being Bob as you will um, and, and as, uh, Mick had kind of alluded to, uh, it's, uh sometimes, uh, electronically, I uh, can be hard to reach at times. And, uh, um, when, uh, when we had him on last July, it was interesting. We were supposed to have him on, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday that week. Um, and he texts us at about seven 45 on Sunday night and just says, I need to change the time of the show. And we're like, okay, like, like, what do you need to do? And he goes, uh, Tomorrow we're like, okay. we're like, all we can do is like eight o'clock in the morning. That's that's the only time it's going to work. So he agrees, whatever. And he jumps on the Zoom call. And the first thing he says to us is, um, how long is this going to take? And why are we doing this so early? And we're just, you know, again, remember, this is episode 18. This is our first big primo guest. And we're like. Oh, boy, this might not go so well, but fantastic interview. If you haven't got a chance, it's our July 4th special from last year. A Really great interview with Bob, getting to talk about his time at St. State and how much he missed being a Husky and, you know, what that rivalry and things have meant to him. But, uh, Nick, I, what are your kind of closing thoughts on, you know, this situation, the interview with Mick and kind of what we have coming up next?
1: Uh, sure. You know, again, you know, the hockey community we've talked about this all the time, right? How close knit, how supportive it is. And, you know, this is one of those where you do lean on each other to kind of help you get through it. And I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. Right. I don't know how, you know, in Bob's shoes, how you get through something like this Um, from again, you and I know I've talked about where I've been through something quite devastating myself, but it's not the same. It just isn't the same. Um, I can't imagine being a parent and having to bury your kid i just i can't and it and obviously the circumstances from what we know and from what we might learn don't certainly make it any easier um at the end of it as a parent i can only imagine it probably is the last thing on their mind um you know as far as how all, all they can think about is that you know the, the wonderful child that they brought into the world is no longer with them and uh, i think for my closing thoughts you Noah, know, one, i think i speak for you and for uh, I hope for Huskies Nation is uh, to Bob, to Shelly, to Allie, and the entire Motzko family, the entire uh, University of Minnesota Go for Hockey program uh, from St. Cloud State here at the Huskies Women's podcast. We are here. We are supportive of you. Um, we stand by you during this very difficult time. I wish there were words, Noah, that could do and explain and, and help comfort those who knew Max the most, his friends, his schoolmates, his teammates. Uh, there just are no words that can offer the type of healing that we wanted to immediately, right? Well, what we can do is, again, like I said, as the hockey community, um, although the Gophers and the, the Huskies are, are wonderful rivals off ice, there's no question that when the skates are hung, when the jerseys are drying and the, the gloves are sitting on the rack and, you know, they're, they're sweaty and, it's a great contest of, you know, on the ice. There's no question that off the ice, it's one big giant family. And as, and as that family, we mourn in the loss uh, of Mac together. Um, so, uh, so again, Bob and Shelly, our thoughts and our prayers are with you during this very difficult time. And we wish you nothing, uh, but the some most, utmost uh, support moving forward, um, uh, from this day on. So, uh, again, can't say it enough, it, you know, just unbelievable tragedy. And, uh, Again, just hoping for better days ahead.
0: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And obviously, we're going to be tracking the story as it evolves, as it develops, and obviously tracking the health and well-being of the Moscow family, Huskies Nation, Gophers Nation, uh, and and the college hockey and the hockey world in general. I think it's important for all to, uh, to to embrace each other in this, in this time. Uh, speaking of embracing what's what's to come here, we do have episode number 72. That's going to be on the docket for us for the Huskies warming house podcast on Sunday, as well as hopefully a guest coming up the next week, but for the Huskies well, Huskies warming house podcast, I think that's who we are. Uh, that will do it for episode number 71 with Mick Hatton. And we will see you next time in the den.
1: Come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from So Dana
2: Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies! Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance
1: to win! It's now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.